0: Thank you and um, for those who aren't able to make it to church next Sunday you are still able to participate in Operation Christmas Child. You can build a box online actually. The links are up on our website. And we have a goal of trying to provide 300 boxes, 200 physically and 100 uh, via online. So I look forward to uh, uh, giving uh, because we are thankful. Hey would you consider these numbers? These are all record numbers. On November 13th, the world saw 660,906 new COVID cases, one day record. On November 13th, the United States saw 187,907 new COVID cases in that one day. On November 11th, the world saw 10,161 worldwide COVID deaths in one day. And I have bad news for you, for all accounts. Orange County will most likely be going back to the purple tier. So if you wanna go eat Korean barbecue indoors, you better go now, might not be able to in a few weeks. You know, as soon as I mentioned the topic of COVID and related issues, there's a group of people who take the posture that these numbers are overplayed and perhaps bordering on even a hoax. And that even the remedy itself may be actually more harmful than COVID itself. There are others who think that we are actually not doing enough for COVID and that we're not taking it seriously enough and there should be even stronger mandate. Both sides agree though, that we're just tired. You know, my goal today isn't to talk science. Actually, Dr. Uh, Hugh Chung and Dr. David Park will talk about that uh, in the Q&A and Dr. Uh, Chung a little bit later after this. My goal is not to talk about policy, whether we should emulate China or Sweden. A should vigorously debate that. But as a theologian and as a pastor, my expertise is in the Bible. And my goal is to teach you, bring out to light what the Bible clearly teaches. And when the Bible is clear, I will be clear. And when the Bible is silent, I will be silent. I believe that's what I can add, and we we do this in the real conversation series because not because we have an agenda, but rather because we see so many Christians uh, thinking and and behaving uh, developed from personal conviction or personal opinions or public um, uh, uh, popular culture, as opposed to biblically understanding what the Bible says and allowing the Word of God to transform your mind. There are three questions I believe that the Bible clearly answers in terms of a global pandemic. And I will be as clear as the Bible is clear. The first question is, why does God allow COVID or global pandemics? The second question is, can man solve COVID? And third, how do we as Christians live with COVID? And and today's message is a little bit dense, meaning packed. So I'm gonna uh, be somewhat quick and I want your minds engaged. The first question is, why does God allow COVID? The term pandemic is actually never found in the Bible. It's a modern uh, thing. But the Bible does, in Hebrew and Greek, um, on 127 occasions, use the terms pestilence and plague. Throughout the Bible, God allows or even sends plagues or pestilence in a targeted way for the purpose, listen carefully, of judgment, of warning, or awakening. If you've been in the church, the, the plagues that you might be most familiar with is the, the ten plagues in Exodus against the nation of Egypt. But in also other places like Numbers 16, 46, no, 14,700 in Israel perished because of their disobedience. And Second Samuel twenty four seventeen 17, where uh, 70,000 men, meaning more than that, perished because of David, their king's sin. Earlier on in the COVID crisis, back when it was known as the Wuhan virus, if you recall, a Christian blogger or author wrote and connected the Chinese habit of eating bat meat and how that was not kosher or against the Old Testament dietary law, insinuating that the Chinese were being punished because they were not keeping uh, biblical dietary laws—you uh, know there's a whole uh, issue of pr- uh, logical problem with that argument because I'm sure that person goes home and eats shrimp and lobster, which is also against the Old Testament dietary laws. When COVID uh, began to become more global, one uh, Christian, uh, a well-known Christian author, wrote that COVID is a is God's consequential wrath on our nation to which the Atlantic Journal responded in April by uh, an article titled, Some of the Most Visible Christians in America Are Failing the Coronavirus Test. Now listen carefully. I believe that God does and can often discipline, warn, and awaken individuals and nations through suffering that is allowed or pointed. But I believe that it is extremely, extremely, listen carefully, dangerous to try to interpret the heart and intention of God when suffering occurs. I think it's presumptuous and arrogant of us to try to do so. I do believe though, um, and and also when we see instances of plagues or pestilence in the Bibles, they're oftentimes very uh, targeted uh, with a purpose and not so global, uh, affecting such a broad audience per se. But I do believe the more appropriate place where we need to look for in terms of a global pandemic is not in Numbers or Exodus or Second Samuel, but rather in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, which is what uh, we can kind of think of as ground zero, God curses both the ground and man, in Genesis 3, 17 and 19, cursed is the ground because of you, and later on, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so from that day forward, both man, or human beings, and his environment, the world in which we live in, broke. And it no longer operated as the original creator intended for it to operate. Human beings were not supposed to expire but from that moment on we became mortal and everyone died. Viruses were not uh, supposed to mutate and become destructive but from that moment on it did. Because of the fall we became vulnerable to the ravages of life including COVID, including uh, um, coronary disease, including cancer and dementia and so on. The overarching truth of Genesis 3 is that all saints and sinners alike, will be children of both common good and common bad. In the musical Hamilton, I have to drop some coolness here, the protagonist Hamilton and the antagonist Aaron Burr, they sing a duet, a song, and there's good theology here and they're confessing something Death doesn't discriminate between sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes and it takes, and we keep living anyway. We rise and we fall, and we break and we make our mistakes. I believe it's good theology that the fall does not discriminate between the good and the bad, but we are all children of it. Why does God allow COVID? It's it's the same reason why God allows cancer. It's the same reason why God allows a heart disease. It's uh, it, it's because, by and large, we're children of the fall. We're broken. Human beings are broken. The world is broken. And the reason why God doesn't simply come down and fix all of it, 2nd Peter 3 9 tells us, the, low is not, uh, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should, not, uh, should reach repentance. The reason why God is took is continuing to allow us suffering in this world is because God is being patient, trying to woo us into repentance and back to him. The second question that I want to answer from the Bible is can man solve COVID? You know, we can probably confident. well, I, I think we can confidently say that human beings now collectively know more communicate better, travel better, and has better technology than ever before. Uh, Those who uh, study these things, look at these things, say that human knowledge double almost every 12 hours. Recently, and I'm so amazed by the advance in technology, recently iPhone came up with a new feature, and I'm gonna see if I can get it to work during this service, because I couldn't at 9.30. It's like Star Trek. Okay, I'm gonna try to make it work now. Hello, my name is Pastor Steve. Did you hear that? I just spoke Mandarin Chinese. I hope that was translated properly. It's remarkable what science is able to do, what human ingenuity is able to do. This means that never in history has mankind uh, been able to uh, globally deploy its full knowledge, technology, and communication to solve one common problem. Listen, even in times of war, uh, did man uh, combine their resources to uh, combat a common enemy? This is the first time in history where all of the world is combating a common enemy, which is the coronavirus. So, um, we, so we've spent billions of dollars to achieve a vaccine, trillions of dollars to combat uh, the effects of the coronavirus. And so the question is, can we actually solve COVID? You know, it, it's interesting. In Genesis chapter 11, if you recall, the Tower of Babel, we're told that humanity spoke a common language, good communications, and they deployed uh, modern technology, um, brick building and they were building a tower with a common purpose to to make a name for themselves and this is the commentary of god on what human beings are able to achieve he says in genesis chapter 11 verse 6 behold they are one people and they have all one language and this is only the beginning of what they will be they will do and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them and so the commentary is that humanity in the Imago day has immense potential to solve problems. If you think about it, and I'm more of an engineer from my uh, former life, I think more like a, a, a nerd as opposed to a, a biologist or a someone in medicine, I am amazed at what science is able to do. Science is able to clone an identical twin out of cells science is able to grow a human organ in a pig and then transplant that into a human being science is able to go into a gene and, and using crispr technology edit your genes so that your children will have a different uh, sequence of dna i i don't quite understand any of what i just said but apparently they're all true so can human beings solve the problem of covid just like human beings, uh, practically speaking, eradicated a deadly disease like polio, and I believe they can. I'm not saying that they will, but I believe uh, there's immense human potential. But, listen carefully, and I'm not making a science statement, I'm just saying that human beings just have immense potential to solve problems. But I am saying this, what the Bible says definitively, there are two problems that human beings will never solve. Two issues Two problems that medical technology and scientists will never be able to solve. In Genesis 3, if you recall, uh, God said, uh, curses the ground and also to dust you will go back. Meaning that science will never be able to solve the problem of death. That they can solve all sorts of medical issues and prolong life, but it will never ever be able to solve the problem of death itself according to the CDC in the year 2018 the number one cause of death was coronary disease the number two cause of death was cancer and according to the CDC in the year 2020 this year if we can look at the slide now I don't know if um, if I can show the slide there's a, a graph that for a, a moment For a moment, if you look, there was a a peak in that red line, which is deaths associated with COVID. For a short moment, this is a weekly accounting of death. Uh, COVID became the leading cause of death in the United States. And so people panicked. No, this is just horrible and it's continuing to spike. But if you look carefully, it quickly subsided and it became uh, number three, it's the third leading cause of death. Which brings me to this notion that what if humanity and science was able to solve the problem of COVID? And I say this um, periodically, and I don't mean to sound morbid, but even if science was able to solve the problem of COVID, it still has cancer and coronary disease and if humanity is able to solve the problem of, of cancer and coronary disease, uh, something else, whether it be stroke or something else, will be number one and two and three. Meaning, no matter what science does, they will be unable to solve the problem of death. And there is a second thing that science will never be able to solve. Science, human beings have the immense potential to solve issues achieve things but it will never be able to solve death and secondly it will never be able to solve the problem of sin and selfishness Uh, the the greatest set of writings on anthropology what human beings are like is actually found in Romans chapters 1 and 3 1 through 3 and it says that sin that people human beings uh, by nature by who we are are selfish and sinful and and this is played out in Genesis 3, 4, 6, 11, and on. It displays the sinfulness and selfishness of people. And what this means is that that though humanity has the immense potential to solve problems, one of the problems that it is unable to solve and unwilling to solve is the problem of itself. Let me give you a case in point. According to several sources, the world produces enough food to feed about 1.5 times its current population, meaning that we have approximately 7 billion people in the world, and we produce enough food to feed about 10 billion people. Yet, according to World Counts, about 9 million people will die every year from hunger and hunger-related disease, meaning 9 million people will die, though the world has enough food. And, and I want you to kind of put that into perspective, even if there's an acceleration of death by COVID, that the people who will die of hunger and hunger-related uh, reasons will outnumber COVID deaths by four or five times in magnitude. Why are people dying of hunger when we have enough food? It's not a problem with technology. We have the right technology and know-how. And the two leading causes, the two leading reasons why people still die of hunger is poverty and war. Something that we can solve, poverty. And something we have actually caused, war. Can man solve COVID? Possibly. But the bigger problem is that we cannot solve death. And we cannot solve ourselves. The biggest threat to humanity, listen carefully, the biggest threat to humanity has been, is, and always be the sinful and selfish hearts of human beings. We're our greatest enemies. And science isn't able to solve that issue. Let me go to the third and final question How do we live with COVID? Or more accurately, how, how do Christians, those who are Christ followers, how do we live with COVID? And I want to say something from the onset here. And, and I uh, try to be silent when I believe the Bible is silent. And I try to be as clear as possible when I believe that the scripture is clear. And I'm going to say something that I believe the scripture is absolutely clear on. Although there are some who may say things otherwise. Now listen carefully. The Bible does teach that God can and does heal through prayer and and other ways, and God does uh, say that right living um, produces right life. But listen carefully, the Bible never, never promises that God's people will be immune from sickness or death that Christians, even the the most righteous holy Christians, we're not immune from COVID or any other viruses because of our Christianness. Christians alongside of non-Christians live in a reality where we are exposed to the common good as well as the common fallenness. It is untrue and unhelpful when we say or imply that we are somehow immune to COVID or um, coronary disease or cancer. I want to be clear on that, and I don't, I'm not apologetic about that. I believe that is what the scripture teaches. But how do we as Christians live with COVID? Two things. I believe there are two things that we need to do, uh, two two ways in which we need to live with COVID. Number one is we need to live in faith. We live in faith. That we as Christians have um, something within us that the world does not have. Romans 8.28 tells us that all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That in the midst of uncertainty and anxiety, that Christians, we know that for those who love God, that God works all things for good and we have that confidence. And secondly, 1 Thessalonians 4.13 and 14, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope but since for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus Christ, God will bring, him, uh, bring with him those who have fallen asleep, that we have the promise that death is not final. So because of these truths, Christians do not live in a vacuum, but rather we live under the reign of a loving, sovereign God, and so we fear not uncertainty. And we don't even fear death because we believe that fa- death is not final. So we can live in faith and confidence. The second attitude that should behold Christians. One of the, the points of contention among those in the Christian community is that we are being deprived of our liberty. Our liberty, our liberty to, um, uh, to worship. Together, our liberty to not wear a mask and things of that nature. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he talks about a controversial issue. And the issue is meat sacrifice to idols. Should believers eat meat sacrificed to idols when some believe it is absolutely sinful and others believe it is okay? In chapter 8 verse 1, Paul writes, now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And he talks, he compares. Um, You know, you, you have knowledge, but love should be the guiding principle. He argues for nearly a full chapter and concludes in verse 13, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Now, the scripture is clear, and I, I want to be clear when the scripture is clear. God commands us to worship that we ought to do, whether online or in person. We need to worship. God calls us to, to proclaim the gospel, and the church needs to do that. But this concept of liberty, where no one can tell me what to do, what not to, what to put on my face, or what not to That that strong conviction of personal freedom and liberty is more, listen carefully now, an American cultural thing, an inalienable right for the pursuit of happiness and liberty. Listen carefully. For the church, those who are Christ followers, John chapter 13 verse 35 says this, we ought to be characterized by something else. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have what? Remember, if you have love for one another. The Christian should be known less by his insistence on personal liberty, but rather by sacrificial love. How ought Christians to live in times of COVID? We live by faith knowing that God is in control and there's a life afterwards, and that we prioritize, we show love over personal liberty. I'm going to ask the band to come up at this time, and I'm. this is exactly what Christ did for us, who although existed in the form of God, decided that that is not, The liberty, the right that he has to hold to, but not only by example, but to give us the ability to have confidence, eternal life, and faith in him. That that no matter whether it is COVID, cancer, or just old age, we can come to the throne of grace.